Hey folks, this is Rabble Rousing Rich Bergeron. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Tornado Tiny Pentagon. And uh, it's making contact with all my tools of divination sharpened. Okay. We have we have to talk about the fight of the century. You know what I'm talking about. Jake yeah. Paul. Yeah. Jake, <laughs> Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like those guys. Uh, Jake Paul, obviously, like I said, uh, yeah, he was, he was on Facebook today yeah, he he chose another wounded lion from the MMA world, so to speak. Uh, perfect opponent for him, shorter guy, less reach, just had a knockdown, drag out brawl. Uh, as his last fight in the UFC, so this is this is going to be an interesting one. This is like one step above Ben Askren. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Tyron Woodley yeah. is really a shot yeah, this, fighter. This is yeah. This is this is just a, a fascinating dynamic, and it's put me in a situation where you know, I want to see him. You know? And uh, wow, I mean, do I want to see anyone win? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that uh, I have, I'm having this much of a... I'm having this reaction. I mean, yeah. I'm even considering being on Team Woodley for the, <laughs> the first time. And, uh, oh, my God. I, I, I just don't know what to say. It just gets crazier. But I, I think Woodley uh, does have some power. Yeah. This, this is step up. I would have Does it that. translate to boxing, and, though? Um, I don't know. He's going to have a lot of work ahead of him. Not that Jake Paul is a world beater, but... He's definitely started at the beginning of this little venture of his just doing boxing. He's never done MMA to confuse him or anything like that. So yeah. <clears throat> I think and, that's what and, he prays upon. I think we'll have to, we'll have to see also where Woodley's, what Woodley's mental state is. Yeah. Because in a couple of those fights, he just looked like he was dead. And I don't know if it was a physical thing or a mental thing. I know in his last fight, he really did come out. Uh, guns blazing, huh? and uh, if he can do that, uh, this might be entertaining. And then get us warmed up for the next Paul brother. Could be, could be. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know what we talked um, about that one too, but now that Eddie one. Atlas really weighed in on that. Gave a fun interview. I didn't see that, but uh, they did announce that there is no knock. There's no uh, judges. There will be knockouts allowed. Like they're gonna say no knockouts allowed. Like who does that? <laughs> What's he doing an exhibition? No, no knockouts. Well, what, what do they mean? What do they mean? No knockouts. No, I'm just saying they did. They didn't say that. Like who does that? I'm saying who does no knockouts? Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, they decided they were gonna allow it, and uh, there's gonna be quite a weight difference. I think we talked about that the last time. But uh, I don't think Floyd is worried about it. Uh, and it was funny because I saw the little thing before the Showtime uh, boxing this weekend where they were like uh, interviewing both guys, one, you know, for the press. And uh, it's like a all-access type thing, a little half-hour show. Of course, Logan Paul has to say at the end. Don't worry, Floyd. You'll you'll get your hat back. What was that? Yeah, I I I think Paul's 
Tommy, I mean, um, Tony, <laughs> I merged your two names. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Surprised that's the I'll first time that happened. Uh, t- Tony, uh, how many Carpensi brothers are there, speaking of experience? Let's see if Rain Man comes out. Well, I know, I know, <laughs> I know Tony, 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 I know Tony,
I know two of them. I know Tommy Carpenti and uh, I can't remember the brother's name. The brother. That's where my mind must have been at. Tommy Carpenti. So, uh, my point is being, you know, there's some of them that are good and there's, there's some of them that are really bad, right? There's that many of them. There's like three or four. That, and they all box. Right? Okay. So, uh, I think Jake Paul is like... I, I only knew, I only knew the two The better of the, the, uh, Carpensi brothers of YouTube. <laughs> Um, I think there's at least three of them, but I don't know. We'll research that later. But they're a fighting brotherhood. About a year ago, and that was how big like these YouTube celebrities have gotten. Like until I was joking around with that cameo last year, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to put myself on cameo and my Phillies outfit." And all my friends said, "Oh, you should." People would pay to pay for a greeting from you. I'm like, "Who the hell would pay for a greeting from me?" And, and in my Phillies outfit. And he says, no, they would because probably a lot of people have met you at games and they think it would be cool. I'm like, yeah, right. And then I was looking at people on there and I'm looking at baseball players, guys that play for the Phillies, guys that play, you know, uh, guys that play for the Eagles, like my friend got a greeting from, a comedian that I got a greeting from. And then I'm looking at other people, YouTuber. Yeah. People are paying for a greeting from a guy that does YouTube videos. This person's paying, uh, doing greetings and this person's a TikTok artist. I'm like, are you kidding me? People are going to say, oh my god, I got a greeting from so-and-so who makes TikTok videos. Uh-huh. Really? I mean, that's when I first really realized how this social media and shit, I mean, oh, hey, I ridiculous. YouTube and all that, and guys like John Scully got it down right. Like, John has a boxing network, and he tells a lot of stories on there, but you know these stories are authentic, and they come from someone who's been in there at the highest level, at yeah. the championship caliber level. So when he talks and tells his stories, first of all, he's funny, and second of all, you want to listen because they're authentic and they're interesting. You know, if you get a person that says, like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I had a, a fight last week, and me and my buddy went outside and we put these big gloves on, and we were punching each other, and I won. Uh, yeah, that's great, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that when I was 13. Yeah. But the, the, it's like stuff like Cameo has just made livings for these exactly. people while they're, you know, on the sidelines with COVID situation going on and, and case in point actually i read an article about uh, charlie sheen he was doing so bad financially not only was he living with his father like the tv show there kind of crazy uh but he uh he also was making most of his you know get by money off of cameo appearances because he really wasn't working in, in hollywood so it's so like wow he makes a living off of that. <laughs> I mean, Evan looks at, I don't know, you make a living off it, like, especially, like, I mean, Charlie Sheen, okay, you know, he's a relatively well-known guy, he's been in movies like, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Major League, and Two and a Half Men, and, you know, uh, Hot Shots and all that, and I don't know what he's charging, he could be charging 50 bucks, he could be charging 100 bucks, he could be charging 200 bucks, I don't know. Some but people like, charge a thousand. You know, how many people <laughs> are Yeah, you can charge a thousand, but how many people are going to pay that thing? Oh my God, I got this greeting from Charlie Sheen. Yeah. You know, the one that I did, you know, for my friend last year for his wedding, they liked Friday the 13th, and they liked the one actor that played in it. He was on there for 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's done, you can see on his page that he's done like maybe a couple dozen. Yeah. 
So hopefully he's trying to make a living off this. You know, these will probably made maybe a thousand bucks, you know, total. Or, you know, people that maybe do it for like, hey, it's like, you know, it's a pocket income. It's fun because, you know, they like just maybe brighten someone's day. I, I don't know. I mean, I can't believe anybody would want a greeting for me. You know, my friends are trying to convince me to do it. <laughs> you know what else my idiot friends are trying to convince me to do? That comedy club that I went to a couple months ago. Yeah. Those Tuesday night amateur nights. <laughs> and they're like, you want to come up there with some of your stories and some of your bullshit stories and, and make us laugh because you're an idiot. <laughs> Well, you have to have like a really professional routine with some real guaranteed jokes for that. I mean. Oh, well, yeah, you look you look at it this way, Tony. It's a lot like boxing <laughs> because both both are. Yeah, think about this. I'll make an analogy here. You know, was that stand up in the ring of the cage, stand up on the stage? Why do they call it the punchline? <laughs> because you're trying yeah. to short circuit someone's nervous system. Now in boxing, you're trying to knock them the f out. And in a comedy, in comedy, you're going after the audience's nervous system to make them helplessly laugh. You've got rhythm, you've got timing, you've got the bright lights. You're all up there alone. It's a solitary act of bravery. Same thing in boxing. I mean, when you get in the ring, yeah, you've got your, your, your corner, but it's all on you. And it's the same thing on that stage, because I know from when I was doing it, it looks easy. When you get nailed announcer because it's like in a fight. Then you step up, and then there he is. Ding, showtime, Mike. You don't get no readers. So, phone up like that. Think about that. You know, get up there and give it a shot. What do you got to lose? You know what was funny? Um, you know, I was over at my friend's house the other night, and I was teaching his son, the four-year-old, the art of the sleeper hold, and he was not selling it right, and I was very upset with him. But now, we were over there, and we are just, you know, and just talking different things about growing up, and we're just you know just you know saying whatever. And I was like, yeah. And I told him, I said, I started actually writing, you know, some ideas. I said, if I do this, it'll only be like a, you know, they only do like an amateur for like five ten minute little, you know, auditions almost. But I said, you know, I can talk about how I messed with the scam warranty callers, and I can do the the whole my cousin Vinny thing. And then my friend, you know, and I said, I hope he'd be in the audience for this because I'm going to throw him under the bus about the time that he would. He's taking my stories, like when he told his girlfriend, who's now his wife, how he auditioned for the Rocky movie and he got a you know a chance to read for a part and he got to be on set, but he got cut out. And he, he is, she's telling me this. I'm like looking at him and his eyes are like bug eyed. <laughs> and, and I said, did he have his app- did he have his appendix out three days prior? Mm-hmm. No. Why? I said because he's telling you my story. <laughs> and then she's like, you told me his story, and I'm like, yeah, to the T. Actually, you know, to the actual, like, literally the whole thing. And then a couple months ago, I was over there, and I was like, hey, did you ever hear about the other time I went to an audition? He goes, no. I said, yeah, I went down, I rode the train down with three professional actors from New York. We went down, the casting director goes, oh, look, it's the appendix guys here again. These three professional (laughs) actors got got turned away. I got brought in for a reading. And 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 a fitting, I didn't get called back, but I, so the one guy's girlfriend shows up, and he was, like, all pissed off. Because he like writes screenplays and he's supposed to be like an up and coming in the business. And she's like, "How'd you do?" Because we all got turned away. <laughs> and the one friend goes, "He did." They're like, "Oh, the amateur didn't." <laughs> you know. Nice. The girl that confused me with Ralph Macchio at a concert, so I entertained her by posing doing the crane kick. She was so drunk she probably told her friends she met Ralph Macchio. <laughs> I don't think I look like Ralph Macchio, by the way. 
Yeah, I don't have any real famous yeah, look like. It's simple dumb shit that I can write up and just see if I can get it to blow. You got that guy from the Phillies that you look just like. We know that. Oh my god, remember him? <laughs> Dude, that was crazy. Tom, did I ever send you that? <laughs> no, no, this, I haven't heard this one. Okay. We were in a Phillies Cubs game like 10 years ago, and we were out in Chicago. I'm there with my younger cousin, and she was maybe 17 at the time. And we're sitting there, she goes, she takes a picture of some of the players warming up in the outfield. And one of the coaches, who I come to find that later was their batting practice pitch. I can lob, I can lob pitches to you know superstars and make a lot of money. Uh, I, well, they don't need this guy to do it. <laughs> My cousin takes his photo, and we're looking at you. That guy looks like you. I said, like, "Get the hell out of here!" So she puts it on the computer, and I was like, "Look at this guy." My dad's like, "Oh my god, and that's you." I said, "Dad, that's not me." Sure it is. <laughs> no, it's not. I know what I look like, and that's I know where I was. That's not me. So my mom comes over, and I was like, Mom, look at this picture. She goes, that's you. I said, Mom, no, it's not. She goes, yes, it is, like angry. I said, Mom, no, it's not. She's like, and then now she's going to like hit me with a wooden spoon because I'm, I'm lying to her that, you know, I'm, that's not me in the photo. My dad's like, you superimposed it. I said, Dad, no, I didn't. I swear I didn't. <laughs> so they're like, and I'm like, wait a minute, guys, when was I on the field with the players? I said, you were standing next to me the whole game. Yeah, yeah you're never on the field. Just told you that. And they're like, wasn't I wearing a red jersey? This is before the outfit. I said, wasn't I wearing a red jersey? Like, yeah. I said, that guy's wearing a blue jersey. It's not. So we come to find out this guy was their batting practice pitcher. A few months later, Phillies are going to the playoffs. They clinch on the road in Washington on a Monday. This guy walks into the locker room, and all the guys that he's helped to hone their hitting skills start dumping beer on his head. <laughs> My phone blows up. Oh my God! You're in the locker room. I said, Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I got out of work wow. early enough to go to Washington D.C. And the Philly said, Oh my God! Tony came all the way down on a Monday night. What's in the and put beer on it? <laughs> then I'm like, You know what? Shit! I started getting planned. You could have crashed the field. You just said, Get yourself a uniform. And yeah, and I said, He can work at Western Pet Services <laughs> and deal with people bitching about their bed bugs, and I can lob, you know, uh, softballs to Chase Utley and Ryan Howard. I said, that's a fair deal. Once they fired him, a year later, the team has tanked for a decade. <laughs> wow. What's that guy's name? His name was Ali, like Muhammad Ali, on the five-year anniversary of Ali's death, by the way. Uh-huh. And his last name was Modami or something like that. I'm going to send you the picture. Yeah, yeah. i got to see this. That would have been hilarious uh, if like, you had had a full uniform duplicated and just like hopped onto the field one day in it and just like faced across from him. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, oh my god, that would have been great. Like, you know, if I, I would have taken places with him and I was heavier at the time, they still would have said, man, uh, Allie, you lost some weight. I'm like, thank you. Because <laughs> I was heavier, but he was just. Uh, anyway, there's half your comedy routine. You look good. You lost some weight. Thank you. <laughs> Alright, so we got to talk some boxing yeah, here. That's why I'm not allowed to have public on Google Live. We got uh, some some fights to talk about. I, I didn't see the the zone card, but uh, Shane Mosley Jr. got uh, I did not see the zone. I got on that one. Uh, lost to Jason Quigley, who had only one loss going in, and uh, you know it seems like every time Shane faces an undefeated or you know one or two loss fighter, this is what happens. But uh, you know, 
started late, so, you know, they're just moving them up too quick or something, I don't know. Needs to develop a little more, looks like. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, you, are, you have high expectations because of your last name. Oh, definitely. And it doesn't time. always work that way. And uh, Devin Haney got a big win over Jorge Linares. But uh, a lot of criticism from his, the people who yeah. now want to target him. They're all thinking they can beat him easily based on his performance. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't a stunner. You know that that fight was such an example. Uh, it's never it ain't over till it's over. Because I tuned <laughs> in probably about the sixth or seventh round, and you could tell Haney was a step ahead. I mean, it wasn't a slaughter. But Haney had done enough to uh, the uh, unofficial scorecard win every round. Uh, Linares is not known for having a devastating knockout punch. So after I think after the eighth round, I said, I'm going to bed. And I missed it. I guess <laughs> he got caught in the tenth, I think. And then he was he was just holding on. I mean, uh, the, the last, and it was a, a close, not a close decision, but... It wasn't a complete runaway, but he was really locked, and he didn't completely recover from what I heard. Yeah. I think that's where all the uh, future possible opponents are licking their chops now. Yeah. And the big but, weekend. You know, I, I should know better. It ain't over till it's over. That's <coughs> locking. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. The big one over the weekend was uh, Nonito Doné just uh, defying Father Time. He made a lot about his age. Like they did uh, Hank a week earlier. Yes, uh, getting the title and uh, just looking dynamic. I mean, the only blip on that sharpness. Of the that only blip on power. that was going to be the potential punch after the bell that scored. Yes. It was definitely after the bell. You know, I'm watching with my dad, and if, if you've watched Donaire's career, you know he makes a living off that back foot left hook. It's completely, you know, uh, it's, you take a boxing textbook and you won't find it on any page. Yeah. You know, it's almost like he leans on his back foot and throws the left hook. It's like, it's not how you so fast, but he does it perfectly. But yet so powerful. That's how he knocked that Victor Chini in all them years ago. Yeah, it reminds and me a little bit of one, know, of, one of his it, type of punches. See, the first time he landed it, you know, he hurt. He hurt the guy. And then he landed again, and the guy goes down. Now, the bell, they're in an exchange. You hear the bell, and then he landed again, like, bam, like, a second after the bell. And and the boy went down hard. And my dad, I'm like, Dad, I think that was after the bell. My dad's like, I don't think it was. And then you see um, the referee count. I don't know, I'm like, maybe it wasn't. Then they went back and showed the replay, and I'm like, and then even my dad agreed with me, like, oh, that definitely was. Yeah. But it's in the books. Done is done, and it's just an obvious outcome based on you know the first few rounds. It was he was running away with it. You know, once once he touched him with his power, it was like you know the will came out of the face of Ubali. <laughs> there he was just had nothing to answer for that, and uh, so it was uh, it was light work for Donaire. It looked like he's he's uh, reinvigorated and. Uh, he definitely is out for uh, domination at this point. You know, he, he'll take anybody. I mean, based on that performance, I think he, he could hang with anybody. So, 
it's going to be interesting to see what he does now. Um, but I'm still pissed he never gave me that interview. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to an event and track him down. I'm going to go like, truck down to Mohegan's son when he's fighting there and be like, Hey, dude! What the fuck? <laughs> Stiffed me. Anyway. Uh, we got some interesting boxing this weekend. It's one of those things where BoxRec says there's no fights on Saturday worth mentioning. But I found some. Uh, I don't know what's going on in this city in France. But there's like 72 fights on one card. <laughs> it's ridiculous. What? On Friday night in France, there, there are like unbelievable amount of fights on this card. It's like literally like over 25 fights in a row. I don't know if it starts in the morning, <laughs> it's a three-day event, or what's going on. There's a lot of fights. And there's like people with hundreds and hundreds of wins. And instead of like losses, like our normal opponents that we make fun of, this is one girl has like 250 wins. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to load up. Mira Potconin. Okay. See if that loads up quicker. Oh, it's an amateur thing. That's why. It says she's an amateur. Yeah, because I'm even looking at Friday night, and there's something in France on a Friday night that has, like, and it says a bunch of three by three, so. Must be a qualifier. Must be some kind of thing for the Olympics. Preparation for the Olympics. Because there's... That's why there's so many fights, I would say. But yeah. Guess who is making her pro de debut in Mexico tomorrow? Who is that? You're going to be excited. The pro debut of Rosie Balba. Oh. <laughs> nice. Shut that down. Alright. <coughs> yeah, I didn't realize that when I clicked on it earlier. I was looking at her fights, and uh, it says right on the address, the site address for her profile, amateur box. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, S on France. We've got uh, yeah, a whole lot of fights. And her record, Pop Conan, is 231, 231 wins, 35 losses, and one draw. And she's fighting a girl who's 30 and 1. Whoa. But she has lost to a girl who's 5 and 8. On page 1 of her 3 pages of fights. A box record. We got another guy, Muhammad Abdil Rasoon, on this card. His record is 112 35 0. Fighting Georgie Karabadze, who's 27 and 23. I know we got a mismatch of the week on here. Here it is. Welterweights. Andre Zamkovoy. He is 125 and 20. Fighting Dionysios Pifanis, who is 2 and 4. <laughs> Ouch. Usually that's the other way around. It's 125 losses. 
pay for this match of the week. Yeah, I don't know why that showed up on the schedule. Maybe it's because Saturday wasn't available. Usually I click on the date. This time I just clicked on schedule. I wasn't, I didn't even know that they had kept track of all that stuff in amateurs too. But the big one tomorrow night in Mexico, one of the big ones, we've got two of them. David Lemieux and David Zagara. Lemieux is 42 and 4, Zagara is 34 and 4. This one's in Mexico. And uh, co-main event, Eric Bazinian, 25 and 0 against Scott Sigmund, who's 35, 14 and 1, and that's for the NABA Super Middleweight title and the vacant NABF Super Middleweight title. And then we got in St. Petersburg, Russia, we have Fedor Chudinov, 23-2-1, fighting Rhino Liebenberg, who is 21-7-1 for the WBA Gold World Super Middleweight title. Gold. That's a new one. I thought there was just so, I didn't know there was a gold. Hey, can I ask a question? What? I'm looking at Saturday's schedule, and there's two fight cards in Philadelphia at the same place. <laughs> yeah, well, they do that up in uh, I mean, I New Hampshire here. They do that up in New Hampshire here. They have a day card and a night card. Because huh. uh, you know, they've been busting at the seams. And I don't think I know any of these guys. <laughs> Here's a United Kingdom card, and here's some opponents to talk about. Uh, we got Bradley Skeet, 28-3, fighting Dale Arrowsmith, who is 241-1. That's quite the mismatch. We might have to change, change our mismatch of the week on that one. Then we got the 21-2-2, John Fuchs, F-E-W-K-E-S. That's a weird one. Fighting Jordan Granham, who's 5 and 73 with two draws. That's not the worst record on the card, though. We've got 3 and 0, Aaron Hayden at Super Featherweight, fighting Jamie Quinn, who's 7, 107 and 2. Yikes. Uh, let's see what else we got. We've got a USNBC Cruiserweight title on the line in Ohio. Newark, Alante Green in the main event, 7-0-1 against Stevens Bujaj, who is 17-3-1. And uh, co-main event, Super Welterweight, Willie Nelson, 27-3-1 versus TBA. There's still time, Tom. Sign up. You can fight Willie Nelson. Okay. <laughs> I know there's a Jesus fight. I just saw it. Jesus Bravo. I'm not even shitting you. That's his real name. Fighting in St. Petersburg, Russia. Jesus Bravo. He is 19-3-1. Fighting Carleton R. Gerber. That's a tough one. Who is 5-0. 5 and 0. Five and There's a fight in Washington, Pennsylvania for the IBA Intercontinental Super Featherweight title. 
We got Journeyman versus uh, Up and Comer here. Matt Conway, 18 and 2. Those two have been in his last six. And then he's fighting Jonathan Perez, who is 38 and 26. <laughs> For the International Boxing Association Intercontinental Super Featherweight title. Say that 10 times fast. Here he is. Okay. Now we got a main event here in Germany at the Black Wolves House. How about that for a venue name? In Wiesbaden, Germany. We got Fatih Altun Kaya at heavyweight, 24 and 0, fighting Huisayan Aktemir, who's 8 and 0. So that's how somebody's always got to go fight. That's Saturday. Boxrec was wrong. There was a good fight on Saturday. But there's a fight way down on the card that I know Tony's going to like. We have heavyweights Vincenzo Drago, who is 3-0, fighting Arwid Daub, who is 0-2. So he's the Italian version of uh, Ivan Drago, Vincenzo. Vinny, Vinny Drago. Ivan's Italian brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ivan's Italian brother. Another one in Germany on Saturday, Agit Kabayel, he's 20-0, fighting Kevin Johnson, who's 35-17 and 17 with one draw. Lost five of his last six. That one's for the WBA Continental Heavyweight title. And he's got, got another, somebody's always got to go at Cruiserweight. 12-0, Roman Fress, and 11-0, Kamel Kawach, for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. And we've got fights in Budapest on Saturday, worth mentioning here. Laszlo Toth, 29-5-2, fighting Peter Kramer, who's 11-3-1 for the vacant Hungary Super Welterweight title. Is he hungry for the Hungary title? That's the question. Middleweights. Uh, Robert Rax, 23-2, fighting Dimitro Semernin, who is 14-8-1. Got in Philly. Page two for Saturday. We gotta roll, roll up. I guess there's the uh, the next Rocky movie right there, Vincenzo Drago. <laughs> it's right there. Another Italian. They'd have to do like uh, some, something weird. Russian and Italian mix. It'll be like b before she passed away, Drago had an affair with Rocky's wife. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. 
Alright, let's see what else we got going on Saturday. We got the WBC Feeker Box middleweight title on the line in Baja, California, Mexico. Alexander Castro, 8 0. And Juan Carlos Regosa, 17, 16, and 3. Not a whole lot of TBAs on the rest of the card. Let's see your Philadelphia card. You seen that on box rank? I love this guy's name. I thought it was a very um Joe Pigford in action so this weekend. On Saturday. In in Luxembourg and Joe Pigford is sixteen and zero, fighting Jovica Jovanovic, who is one and twenty six. We gotta change our mismatch. Everybody in the right-hand column has either one or no no wins. <laughs> the guys in the left column are not better, not better either. <coughs> All right. Well, I, don't I don't know why my computer's being so slow tonight. Well, maybe it's just because of the weed. Let's go, PC. Alright. While we're waiting for that, might as well do a MMA story. Uh, Fabricio Verdum has pulled out of his next fight in the uh, PFL schedule. Uh, there was already a little bit of controversy when they wouldn't grant uh, his opponent an immediate rematch. He was uh, supposedly TKO'd, but then there was controversy after the fight because it looked like the guy tapped. Uh, I don't know what they ended up doing, whether they ca called it a no contest or what, but um, he is saying he's still dealing with the effects of that fight, so... I don't know whether that means mentally or physically, or both. But he has withdrawn from his fight with Brandon Sales. And uh, they don't know if he's even going to finish out the season. It's all points-based, so if you miss a fight like that, I mean, it's pretty tough to win the million dollars, so I don't know how they would handle that. When and if he is able to continue. And Dana White is supposedly going to be announcing soon some type of new health benefits for UFC fighters. Let's hope that's not like the Zuffa boxing <laughs> promises that he made. That's in the news. And that guy that we uh, we used to want an interview with, but now probably not a good idea. Travis Fulton, uh, the the guy with like the most MMA fights on the face of the earth. Yeah. He got arrested for the child porn there. Uh, now he's asking the judge yeah. to to throw out the evidence. 
Yeah, he was like a 12-year-old girl or something like that. Uh, and, he, and he had uh, some video of it and stuff on his cell phone and his computers, I guess. And so he's trying to get it all thrown out. And the judge refused to do it. So it's looking like he's going to stay in the, uh, in the other cage for quite some time. I don't know how he's doing fighting in there, but uh, <laughs> definitely not on TV unless it's closed circuit. All right. You know what? You know what that reminds me of? Remember the movie um, Jim Carrey, A Liar, Liar, yeah. where he couldn't tell a lie. He was a lawyer, yeah. and it just reminds me of like when he was trying to get evidence thrown out, and then the judge is like, "Can you have a good reason why?" And he can't lie. He goes, yeah, because it's damaging guy in the United Kingdom fighting on Saturday. Calvin McCord 8-0 fighting Lee Connolly who is 7-55-5. Five draws he managed. So. Pretty crazy. Another guy in that card's 0-11. 0-23 this Saturday too. Alright. Jonesboro, Georgia. There's one for some titles. Rafael Reyes, 18 and 11, lost all six of his last six, fighting Noel Echeverria, who is 17 and 7. This one's for the vacant Universal Boxing Organization International Lightweight Title, and also the American Boxing Federation USA Lightweight Title. And we got great a fight, but uh, lightweights in the Korean event. Headley Scott, 15-1, and one, fighting Jonathan Hernan Godoy, who's 5-8. and eight. Mississippi Valley, Valley, where is freaking Philadelphia? There it is. 2300 Arena. Yeah, two different fight cards. Brandon Robinson, 15 and 2, fighting Jenk Polana, who's 8 and 3 at super middleweight. Then we got the mismatch on the card. Jonathan Rodriguez, 8 and 1, fighting Sebastian Baltazar, who's 1 and 4. God help him. That's <laughs> his best card. This guy's on that card. Then we got the Outlaw, Greg Outlaw, super lightweight. He's 8 and 0, fighting Andrew Rogers, who's 4, 9, and 2. And then the main event is super middleweights David Devar for Hadi, 8-0 as well, fighting Blake Mansfield, who is 7-3-1. And, and that takes us to Sunday. So yeah, there's really not... Well, here's a guy worth watching. Joseph Jackson, super middleweight, super welterweight, 16-0 undefeated, fighting Terrence Williams, who's 5-4-1. Guys making their debut. Takes us to Sunday. Oh, Sunday. 
Alrighty. So. There's also another slow week in MMA. There's only one event this weekend. And it's another UFC event. There's a, kind of a packed, packed week next weekend. But, uh. Crazy action going on this weekend, except for UFC Fight Night 189, Rosenstruck versus Sakai. And uh, it's always tough to tell which Rosenstruck's going to show up. This time it was the knockout artist. Time before that it was the guy who freaking got knocked out the last second. who shows up. Again, it's taking the load. So we'll wait for that. Anyway, what can we talk about while we wait? Uh, let's see. Well, just, um, I was thinking like, you know, a few topics tonight when I was working out. Now, of course, my horrible short term memories, I'm trying to remember them. <laughs> um, I was talking to my dad today. Um, we're, um, you know, obviously, you know, no real college boxing shows this year. You know, I didn't get to go up to the Lock Haven show, which is, you know, a staple in, um, you know, in February. So, since I didn't get to do that, what I'm planning to do was you know, you assume everything's going to be really back, rocking and rolling full steam ahead by the fall. I know they've been trying to do a fall show, which is obviously not as big as the, the show in February, but I might try to make it up to that depending on what weekend it is. But then also, um, I might try to just take a day off of work. I still got 30 more days and I got to burn by the end of this year and um, go up and, and serve as a guest coach. You know, that'd be good. I want to maybe plan a day and visit Dr. Cox. The living center, and then and just spend a whole day with the team, you know, just and meet some of the guys. Because you know, when when I was at Lock Haven twenty some years ago, you know, Dr. Cox was always big on history, and you know, so a lot of times when he would talk to us, he would have like you know, just little little meetings with us before training would even start. And some days you didn't didn't understand why you just wanted to get you know back back to your work like. You might have already been jumping rope or hitting the bag before he came in, and then he stopped to talk to you. Feels like you know you're you're, you're cooling me down. You know I was nice and warmed up, but now I think about it, it's like you got really invaluable education, not just about boxing, but you know about you know history, life, all that. And he would always talk to us about you know guys that were on his team, and he would tell us like, hey, we had this guy back in '85. Here's where some of his uh, traits, some things that you could learn from. And then when you get to meet these guys years later, it's like, you know, you're meeting, like, celebrities. And then I know, t talking to one of the student boxers that was there my last semester when I was coaching, so I didn't know him very well, just a little bit of work. Um, but he goes, even after you were gone, you were still with us because Dr. Cox always talked about you. Hmm. And now, with him you know, not being really with the team much, if at all, and, you know, some of the guys that are helping coach the team now, Coach Cooper is not there every day. You know, these are guys that don't know me. You know, they might hear my name, but I want to put a face to that name, and I want to say, you know, 
here's how I can help you. Here's what I can keep you from my experience. You can't teach experience, mm-hmm. but you can put them on the right board. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to do that, at, you know, in the fall, burn up some of my vacation days. Up one yeah, I still got to reach out to my Norwich president there. Uh, I got a nice little thing in the mail today. Usually when I get stuff from Norwich, it says, you know, here's an envelope to give us money. But today, it was a little yeah, right, uh, right, right. fridge magnet and uh, trying to get me to connect with some other alumni on their new little network they have. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I mentioned on the last show, or the week before, they're going to start up an MMA program. They want to do combative MMA competitively with uh, other teams and schools and stuff like that, uh, which would be a great place to start it as a military school. Those guys are already training for that, and then special forces and stuff, and Army, Navy, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a great idea, but I'd love to be involved in it. And they, they just fired the guys that we wanted to get rid of, who never responded to my message when I asked him about it, so... Yeah, I'd like to do something like that myself and go up there and teach a, you know, a class every now and then. And, you know, work with the kids. As the last guy to have a boxing program at that school, I think they'd jump at that chance to have me up there. <coughs> but anyway, uh, we have some UFC to talk about here. Jerzino Rosenstruck, 11-2, fighting Augusto Sakai, who's 15-2, with one draw. And then we got uh, Marcin Tibura. Going all the way up to the co-main event. I think he was on the preliminary card the last time. He's 21 and 6, fighting Walt Harris, who's 13 and 9. And we got Roman Deleeds, 8 and 1, fighting Loriano Staropoli, 9 and 3. Santiago Ponzinibbio, 27 and 4, fighting Miguel Beza, undefeated at 10 and 0. Dusko Todorovic, 10 and 1, fighting Gregory Rodriguez, who's 9 and 3. Got Tom Breeze, 12 and 3, fighting Antonio Arroyo, 9 and 4. Makwan Amirakani, 16 and 5, fighting Kamuwala Kirk, who's 11 and 4. And we got a female fight, Montana De La Rosa, 11 and 6, with one draw, fighting Ariane Lipsky, who's 13 and 6. Elir Latifi, 14 and 8, fighting Tanner Boser, who's 19, 7 and 1. Way down on the card here, Francisco Trinaldo. Big record, 26-7, fighting Muslim Salikov, who's 17-2. And great records on these undercard fights. Uh, Mason Jones, 10-1, fighting Alan Patrick, 15-3. Manon Fiorok, 6-1, fighting uh, Tabitha Ricci, who is 5-0. Second fight of the night, Yusuf Zalal, 10-4, fighting Sean Woodson, who's 7-1. First fight of the night, Claudio Puelas, 9-2, fighting Jordan Levitt, who's 8-0. They have 14 fights, until some get canceled. We don't know. Sometimes that happens. Uh, usually it's after I've picked my FanDuel team, which pisses me off. <laughs> anyway, Jarzino, uh, Rosenstruck, Augusto Sakai, what do you think, Tom? What's your crystal ball say? Like you said, it, it's just Rosencrantz. It's just so sleepy. Yeah. And um, I'm going with Sakai with that. All right. 
Uh, what do you think about Tiberio Harris? Got any thoughts on that one? I haven't really delved into that. Harris has is, is, is had, he, he just seems to come up short. Right. But I don't know enough about the opponent, so I'm, I'm kind of just drawing a blank on that one. Yeah. I don't know, I'm going to say Tiberio, it's just he's a little bit more crafty. He's got a little bit more experience. And uh, he's got a little less losses, so... <laughs> On paper, he, he's doing a little better. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, I like Sakai too. I, I, I haven't really looked into it too much, but Rosenstruck, you know, being a big heavyweight, he's always dangerous with one punch. Uh, so you never count him out. Anyway, I guess uh, until next week, that's about all we have. I am in uh, conversations with uh, the guy we trashed last week. Boo Boo Andres, uh, Andre there, uh, Demetrius, oh. is, he was uh, trying to get me to promote something on Twitter. We talked about uh, Canelo trashing him, is what happened. Because when oh he came God, to the press conference, and... Did uh, you, you hear what happened between Canelo and Oscar Devil? Oh, yeah, <laughs> He put out a headline or something about him getting caught uh, using kitchen utensils <laughs> to pleasure himself. Well, then it was something uh, like, it was Dale Hoya said something about um, Canelo ducking Charlo. I don't remember which Charlo. And Canelo came back, called him a traitor, told him to mind his own business. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they even called him a cokehead. Yeah, uh, and then told him to go fuck told himself. Him to go fuck himself. You know, he was fired up. Yeah, and and they he put kitchen utensils next to it, and then somebody put out the headline. There was a headline that some Instagram models photographed him putting forks and knives up his butt. I guess. <laughs> I <don't know>. oh. <laughs> you know what? And, and I did not make that connection. <laughs> when I saw the kitchen, I thought the, I like the one I noticed was the knife. I thought he meant like stabbing in the back. No, no, no. I guess that's me just being cut. There was an inside joke on that one. Unreal. There's no low they won't go to. Anyway, yeah, he's he's learning the he's learning English like we learn foreign languages. The swear words first, Canelo. Exactly. The first was first. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. All right, guys. Um, I will send you guys some photos again. I'm doing the grand marshal of that um 5K uh, in honor of Hank Cisco. Um. Awesome. I'm nervous because, like I said, you, you guys have only maybe seen clips of Hank, but from knowing him in person, um, I have, at maybe best, one-tenth of his personality in Chris, at best. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'm going to really have to be leaning on my Phillies outfit, and because it's breast cancer, my pink boxing gloves, to help me keep the uh, crowd um, entertained. Um, and then greeting them as they're finishing and doing some photos. I'm praying we don't have to wear masks. I will bring my mask with my picture on it, and then hopefully I will be able to yank that thing the hell off. But, <laughs> you know, I'll be prepared. All right. Well, yeah. Just go out and be yourself, buddy. Go out and be yourself. It, I will send you guys <laughs> You know what? Well, you know what they told me about Riddick Buck? Uh, when this was, you know, uh, once again, crazy because it's the 50th year anniversary of Muhammad Ali's death today. 
Any punch would always tell Riddick Bell. Don't be the next Muhammad Ali. Be the first Riddick Bell. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be the next Ali. Be the first yourself. So I know when I go out there Sunday or Saturday, a lot of people are still remembering Hank Cisco. They love Hank Cisco. I love Hank Cisco. And people, you know, you're not being the next Hank Cisco. you got to be the first tornado. There you go. You know? so. All well, right, well, gentlemen, have a good week, though. I'm going to get some snacks. All right, guys. Go so goofing off. All right. Adios. Enjoy the fight. Later.